Well, it's the week that nobody has wanted to acknowledge. It's been on your calendar for a long time, and now we have to talk about it. I appreciate so much the men who led prayers tonight, and I appreciate so much the teachers, the faculty, the staff, cafeteria workers, maintenance guys, whoever you are, if you're involved in the lives of the kids here in this congregation, we appreciate you. We really do. And uh, I appreciate so much the teachers who invested in my life, and I know that we're all indebted to people like that in our lives. At the end of service, or towards the end of service, uh, we'll have, as our closing prayer, Dennis Nozel, one of our elders, will come and lead that prayer. And in that prayer, we've, we've prayed for our faculty and our staff, and also for our schools, but in that prayer, we want to pray specifically for all the students who are here tonight. And so at that time, uh, he'll come up to the podium, and this will be after our closing song. He'll come up to the podium, and then he'll, at his cue, all the kids who are in school, that's, you know, preschool all the way to seniors and even people in college, if you'd like, come up on the stage, and we'll just kind of fill in anywhere there's room all around this stage, and also our elders will join you on that stage, and, uh, and we'll have a prayer together and praying for, for a great school year and for safety and also for the opportunities that God will give to us in this coming school year. Well... It's here. Wednesday, the day that a lot of you will go back to school. Teachers, I guess a lot of you have already been getting your rooms ready and things like that. Some of you are dreading that first day of school. Some of you are excited. Some of you are ready to see your friends again. And some of you, maybe you're not excited about the negative influences that await you at school. Some of you are ready for fall to get here, for for football, for colder weather, amen? Right? Football, I said football, but I'll say it again. Football, we're ready for football, for colder weather, for the leaves to start changing. But some of you aren't ready to let go of summer yet. You aren't ready to let go of of swimming and of sleeping late and, and our time with our interns this summer who've done such a great job. Some of you are excited and some of you aren't. Some of you love school, and yes, they exist. Some of you love school. Some of you don't. I remember my introduction to the concept of school. Just a little bit about it. I was a really little kid, but I remember that first day of preschool. Uh, This is a picture from that experience, maybe. There it is. Uh, Aw. I cried. I cried the entire day. Um... They tried and they tried to console me. They even told me that, hey, don't worry, we're going to watch a movie. It was an, an 80s film that maybe some of you saw called Howard the Duck. Anyone? No. Some of you. Uh, but I was, I was borderline excited about that. But as it would turn out, the VCR was broken. And so I cried some more. I cried the rest of the day. Uh, it was my first day of preschool. It was my last day of preschool. Uh, the school actually told my mom that they didn't want me to come back anymore after that. So, uh, so those of you who work in the nursery, I'm sorry, now you understand where, why Lucas is the way that he is. And I appreciate those of you who have not sent him to juvenile hall yet, so I appreciate that. That first day of school is always weird, isn't it? It's always weird. And, and when I was younger, it really made me kind of anxious. I remember um, dreading that day. I had this feeling, and I, I had this like phobia I had this fear that, that one day, the first day of school was going to be like this. I'd walk into the room and the teacher would say, okay, uh, hi, my name is Miss Brown. Pop quiz, get out your school supplies. We're going to have our first grade of the semester. 
And I had this fear that she would have this list of school supplies and there would be something on that list that I would just, I'd open my backpack and it wouldn't be there. In Hamilton, Alabama, where I grew up, you had to go to Walmart to figure out what the teachers wanted you to have. Do y'all still do this? Is this foreign to you? Well, I went to Walmart and I always remember, you know, here are the list for Miss Burleson's kindergarten class. And you had, to, you had to go and ask and figure out what that sheet was and what it called for, whether it was glue or a glue stick or crayons or pencils, or, you know, the, those big, thick number two pencils or, or, you know, notebook paper or a three-ring binder or construction paper, whatever it was, or a box of Kleenex. Do y'all still have to do that? Every teacher, a box of Kleenex. I want to save money, I guess. Do you have your school supplies yet? Tonight I want to ask you, if God was to give you a list of school supplies, what would be on that list? What does God want you to take to school this year? What are the things that if you take with you this year, you will be blessed and God wants to bless you through these things, I really believe. So what things does God want you to take to school this year? First of all, I want to suggest to you that God wants you to have a backpack. I didn't say an Alabama backpack. He likes that even more, I think. But, <laughs> but God wants you to have a backpack. That might sound a little bizarre and a little weird at first, but let me kind of explain what I mean. By the way, do you remember how awesome, and I really, I choose this word on purpose. Do you remember how awesome it was when your backpack started tearing up? I'm not kidding. You were excited. You, you would like pull the zipper and it would get stuck. Or you would notice that the lining was starting to come undone in your backpack. You were excited because you know what you did? Mom, my backpack is broken. Well, looks like we're going to have to get you a new one. You loved it. You loved it. Because you knew exactly what it meant. And sure, you liked the old backpack, but you couldn't help but smile a little bit at its passing because you knew what it meant. You knew you were going to get a new backpack. And man, I don't know about you guys, but I really took my time with that. It was an important decision. You were going to enter into a long-term relationship with this bag, so it better be good, right? And so you kind of, I mean, you could could go the route of having the rolly backpack with the wheels on it. And by the way, if you have one of those, people don't like you because you run over their feet. People don't like that. Uh, you, could have, uh, you could have one of those side satchel bags. Those were really trendy for a little while. I tried one of those and it made me walk sideways all the time, like with a limp. It was, it was terrible. Bad decision. But then there's like the classic old backpack that everybody likes. And I was really, really picky about that. It had to have lots of compartments. It had to look really cool. It, and, and sometimes you kind of narrow it down to a couple of backpacks and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I love them both so much. But then you finally found it, and you could load that thing down with pens and pencils and food, whatever you could possibly cram into that backpack. We use backpacks for hauling around things, Uh, books, notebooks, homework, iPads, computers, stuff like that now. But regardless of what's in your backpack, you're using it for one purpose. A backpack is meant for carrying things, just like a Jansport, easy to transport, easy to haul, right? And so the backpack is important, but, but why would God want us to have a backpack? Why aren't we talking about this tonight? I was, I was thinking about this backpack as it relates to prayer. Our prayers are the way that we carry things before the Lord, whatever they may be. 
Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, ought to be pretty familiar verses to you. We used them at camp as our theme this year. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Have you ever gotten home and you realize, and maybe you open your backpack, you got home and you realize that something you needed wasn't in there? Maybe you left it in your locker, left it in the desk, or left it somewhere else, just couldn't find it. It's really hard to finish something that you never brought home in the first place, isn't it? You think about that as it pertains to prayer. It's really hard for God to deal with something if we don't make it known to Him, I think. I think sometimes we have a hard time making our requests known to God because we don't take the time to pack the backpack, if you will. How can we expect God to work on an assignment that we never bring home? Listen, if we want to fulfill the law of God, we have to take time to pack and unpack the backpack. You've got to take some time to load some things into your backpack. Remember, we're talking about prayer here. So, so what requests, what things are you carrying before God? What are those requests? This school year, whose names will you carry before God? Lord, help Tim. His parents are going through a divorce right now. Lord, hope, hope always looks so sad. Help me to be a good friend to her. Lord, be with Chelsea. She's hurting right now and, and she needs you. Give me the wisdom to know how to help her. What opportunities are you asking God for? What opportunities is God going to give you this school year? How many opportunities will you have to glorify God and share His love? The answer is, there are as many opportunities as you decide to seize for God. Will you pray for opportunities to glorify God? I know some teenagers who decided one night to stay up. They took out a yearbook and they prayed over the names of the students at their school. Lord, help me to reach somebody this year with your love. Lord, help me teach someone the gospel. Lord, give me the courage to speak a word in your name. Lord, I want to baptize my friend into Christ. Lord, help me help someone who's hurting. Lord, put your words in my mouth that I might speak what others need to hear. Pack the backpack. That means figure out what you need to say to God, what your requests are, and then unpack the backpack. Make your request known to God. If Jesus went to your school this week, you'd better believe that he would have been praying about that opportunity for a long time. I guess to put it in terms of what we're talking about tonight, that's a book that he would have had in his backpack for a long time. He would have been studying that idea. You would have been on his mind and on his heart. The opportunity would have been fresh on his mind. Jesus had a habit of praying before big opportunities. In Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, a very, very big opportunity awaited. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them he chose twelve whom he named apostles. Jesus spent all night in prayer the night before choosing the twelve apostles. Think about how huge of an opportunity that was. Twelve men whose job it would be to take that message into the entire world. Talk about a big responsibility. And of course, the ultimate example, Jesus spent 
the night in prayer, the night before he was crucified. He saw it as an opportunity, it sounds strange, but an opportunity of going to the cross. Second of all, I want to suggest to you that God wants you to take a ruler this year. This is a giant ruler. It's got my name on it, in case I forget it. Uh, This is a giant ruler. By the way, what's the deal with the ruler? What made it the boss of like all the other school supplies? I don't get that. Uh, But anyway, I'm random. Uh, The school supply with the biggest ego, the ruler. But you guys know how a ruler works. This is actually like a, a growth chart. Of, of like for Lucas for our son and uh, and, and you guys know how this works but you know Lucas he's he's really little right now and so we we stand him up against this and, and we use this ruler as a standard of measurement right and that's how most rulers work they're usually about a foot long or twelve inches and sometimes on the other side of it it's got millimeters and centimeters but this right here uh, this is how this works you stand him up you take a little pencil and or a pen and you kind of measure how tall he is and you make a little mark you go to Kings Island you go to a theme park. And by the way, we did that this past week, and uh, Landon Yoakum, who's one of our sixth graders, uh, you know what they do when you want to ride a roller coaster, right? They take out the little measuring stick. You must be this tall to ride. When he was tall enough to ride the roller coaster, we would just rejoice. We were so happy for him. Rulers serve as a standard of measurement. In geometry, we use them to like make straight lines. That's what rulers become the standard for. A ruler is a, is a standard by which we measure things. We know that a foot-long ruler is made up of 12 inches. In other words, if we take an inch, that's our standard or measurement. If we take an inch and an inch and an inch and an inch, and we do that 12 times, we, we've put together a foot. Now, before you're ready to crown me as, as the genius and the king of trigonometry that I am, um, why is that important? Why would God want us to take a ruler to school with us this year? Please get this. The Word of God has to be the standard. Has to be the ruler. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, verses I memorized when I was in high school. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is useful for rebuking, for correcting, for training, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped, ready for every good work. How come this is useful for teaching? Because it's the standard for teaching. How come this is useful for rebuking? How can you tell somebody that what they're doing is wrong? Well, because this is the standard for rebuking. How come this can be the standard for correction? Who are you to correct me? Well, I'm not someone to correct you, but this is the standard for correction. How come you can tell me that that's wrong? Well, this is the standard for what is righteous and also for what is unrighteous. How come it's the standard? Because God breathed out these words. It's the standard because these are the words of God. God says, these are my standards. Here is my book. Here is the ruler. In John 17, 17, it says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. How does God set us apart? That's the word sanctified. How does God set us apart? We're not brainwashed. God has set his people apart simply by speaking the truth. That's what God does. What is truth? His word is truth. And so when he speaks, he draws a line in the sand and he says, here's the truth and there's falsehood. And so the line is drawn. Here's the truth. Here's my word. And there's everything else. So God 
has given us the ruler. Someone says, who are you to judge me? Judge ye not, lest ye be judged. Only God can judge me. Guess what? God has spoken. God has called certain things good and certain things evil. He has pronounced judgment on on a lot of things already. By the words of God, we are judged. And since God has spoken, we can judge. Remember 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17? We know what needs correction. We know what needs to be rebuked. We can know what needs to be taught. We can know what is righteous. We can know what is unrighteous. Everybody seems to love to quote Matthew 7, verse 1. Judge ye not, lest ye be judged. But did you know Jesus said this? John 17, 24, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right or righteous judgment. Judge with right judgment. What do you mean? How can I have a right judgment? I thought God is the judge. Well, how do we know if we're using the right judgment? God is the righteous judge, and whatever he says goes. John 17, 17, your word is truth, your word is right. We can judge what God has spoken because God has spoken. Furthermore, Jesus said in in John 12, verse 48, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. Here's a judge. The words that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. You see what he's saying? We will be judged by the words of Christ. Well, that's your opinion. I I mean, how can you be so sure that your way is right? I mean, what about all the other sincere people out there in the world? Listen, this isn't my opinion. This is what God says. The words of God judge you and me. Listen, you have to make a decision. Do you want to listen to God Or do you want to listen to someone or something that is not God? Do you want to believe whatever you think? Or do you want to believe God? Let me tell you. Sometimes some of us have the nerve to think we're smarter than God. And by the way, that's where all sin kind of stemmed from from the beginning. Remember that? Sometimes we think we're smarter than God. But we're in for a rude awakening when we go down that path. We're not God. And we experience pain in our lives when we try to take his place and take on that role. Uh, To use an illustration, I'm going to borrow from Chris Malone, who a lot of you know. Uh, It's kind of like this little toy. Did y'all have one of these when you were a little kid? I've watched my son play with this toy, and I've got to be honest with you, he's no child prodigy. (laughs) He... He doesn't understand this toy yet. He hasn't got there. Because he'll take, uh, let's just say he'll take the circle and he'll try to put it in the square. And he'll just kind of bang it and bang it and bang it and hold it up to me like, hey, why isn't this working? And then he'll take the star and he'll try to shove it where the triangle's supposed to go. And, And more often than not, he'll just pick up a couple of blocks and bang them together. That's kind of the way he plays with it right now. I have to wonder if God looks down from heaven... And he sees his children, and he thinks, you have no idea what you're doing. That's not where that goes. You're trying to fill a hole that only I can fill. You're taking alcohol and 
and you're trying to shove it into that hole and it's not working. What you're doing here, it doesn't work. That's not what belongs. Your, your boyfriend is not the key to your heart. Your girlfriend is not the missing piece to your soul. No, you don't need her. That's a strong word. God would say, you need me. That drug isn't meant to rule your life. Those friends aren't going to make you happy forever. That alcohol isn't filling the void. You keep chasing that high, but you're never satisfied. That's not what sex was meant for. It's not where sex belongs. And you can almost hear him saying, you've got the wrong shape. Put that away and put me where I belong with you. See, we've got a space in our hearts that only God can fill. A place in your heart that only God can fit. It doesn't really amaze me how many things that people try to take and fill that void. Because remember, God put that void there, so it's only natural for us to try to fill that void. What surprises me is the number of people that will never pick up what really belongs in that void. It's not the fact that you pick up the star and the triangle and the square and the the rectangle. It's not that you do those things. It's that you never choose God. Refusing and choosing to believe that God is who He says He is. You see, we can argue about it all we want, but this is still a ruler. It's still the standard by which will be judged. God's words are still God's words. A a ruler is a ruler. We can argue about it all you want to, but, but still this, this is the standard by which we'll all be judged. Finally, I think God would want you to take to school with you this year an assignment notebook. An assignment notebook. I believe God would want us to have an assignment notebook because brothers and sisters, we have a job to do. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Students, how many of you are going to school this year? Raise your hands. Students who are going to school this year, if you're a student, you're going to school, so raise your hand. Good. You passed. Good. Now, those of you who are just raised your hands, how many of you have ever done mission work before? Raise your hand. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you the first question again. How many of you are going to school this year? Okay. Students, your mission work begins this week. It starts in August and it pauses in May. Because everywhere you go, you are doing mission work. Whether or not you are doing it well is up for discussion. But everywhere you go, you are a missionary. And you are doing mission work for God. You are surrounded by people that need Jesus. That school that you attend is a mission field. And so now I ask you, how many of you are going to school? How many of you want to do mission work for the Lord this year at your school? Amen. You know, how many times my parents ask me this question, I have no idea. But maybe your parents did this to you. So son, what would you do at school today? 
What's the answer? Everybody must have said it. Nothing. It dawned on me this week, Jesus never had a day in his life where someone asked him, hey, what'd you do today? And he would have said nothing. Jesus did not live his life like that. Listen, I know it's easy for us to treat school days like any other day of the week. And adults, it's easy for us to treat a day at the office like any other day at the office. It's easy for Monday to be Monday and Tuesday to be boring Tuesday, the day after Monday, and Fridays to be the day before the weekend, you know, and we get excited about those things. But don't treat your days like that. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Ephesians 5, 16, redeem the time for the days are evil. In other words, make the most of the time that you have. You may only be given one. See your school as a mission field this year. Adults, see your workplace as a mission field this year. I know that there's a lot more that could be said. But I hope that you'll remember those three things this year. When you start school, when you go to work, as you live every day. Remember, pack your requests and unpack your requests to God. Remember that the ruler, the word of God, is is the word that we will be judged by one day. It's the standard. And also remember that you have an assignment to seek and save the lost. Tonight you need to know that you were in Jesus' backpack, so to speak. He carried you, he carried your name before the Father. He prayed for you that, that you might believe. I've prayed that prayer for some in this room. I want you to believe. Are you ready to become a Christian? Maybe you need to learn more about what it means to trust God. Maybe you need to study the Bible some this week with someone who can help you understand what God's will is for your life. Or or maybe you know exactly what the will of God is. You you just need the courage and, and you need the drive to obey it. Becoming a child of God by dying to yourself and denying yourself your own selfish desires and being baptized to have your sins washed away. Or it may be that you need to ask for prayers. Maybe you've gotten sidetracked. Maybe you've, you've tried to put things in place of God that didn't belong. You're, maybe you're try, tired of, of trying to force those other things into a place that God was made to go. Tonight is the night to surrender to Him. If we can help you in any way, hope you'll come as together we stand and sing.